we got a Laffy Taffy with our Sweetwater order. I don't know if you guys can hear how much more professional we sound. I'm swinging that. That was almost stereo, though. My like... new fancy. <laughs> uh, Jake bought these fucking, what do you call these? Uh, Arms? Mike, Mike Booms. Yeah, they're like connected to the table, so yeah. no Coke. But I do have a coffee and a Red Bull. I'm kind of dead. Uh, me and Jake spent this past weekend, we went up to Richmond for GalaxyCon. It's a good weekend trip. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And then I went to Drag Brunch today, which was fun. If you've never been to a drag brunch, it blows my mind. The fucking shit that drag queens have to do. Like, to have that as your job, you have to have so many skills, including knowing how to make fucking costumes. You have to be super flexible. You have to be good at dancing, good at interacting with people. You have to be a little bit funny, too. And their makeup is fucking killer. So, yeah. Anyways, very fun weekend. Cassie, what'd you do? Uh <laughs> Yawn, yawn break. Um, I worked all day yesterday. Remember this morning I got up at 8.30 and then went to the grocery store. Holy shit, at 8.30 on a Sunday? I was awake. Should have been in church. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then um, I went actually went over to my parents' house for breakfast and took my dogs so that their dogs could play. I can't believe you went grocery shopping and then went to breakfast. Yeah. What time did you have breakfast? Like 11. Okay. That's Well, I had a soft pretzel from Lidl. So that was my first breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Second breakfast was at 11. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what do we have to talk about? We broke 16K. Did we already mention that? Yes. I think so. Last time. Um, I was looking at our like our worldwide numbers and stuff. Oh. It's cr- Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> On Spotify, um, in the last week, our top countries were the United States, Italy, New Zealand, the UK, and Australia. But overall, it's the United States, Canada, UK, Australia, and Netherlands, which I thought was pretty fucking interesting. Yeah. So hello to all of our people who are listening. I'm sorry if you uh, maybe don't understand us because of the lingo we use, like the word fuck. Yeah. Fucking is universal. Thanks, Cassie. You're welcome. You would know. She's Thank pregnant. Yeah. So no worries. Yeah, I think I'm going to pop open those Red Bull and fucking let her rip. Ugh. I don't think these things go bad because, like your Slurpee over there, they're not real. You know, it's all artificial, so it'll probably last forever. Even the sugar's not melting. Yeah, there's no sugar in it. Jake's really mad about the no sugar thing. He's not even drinking it. Get the fuck I, over it. I just hate that aftertaste. Aspartame. You don't have to taste it. I know, but I see you drinking it and I think about it and it makes me And angry. I hate thinking about <laughs> it, so fuck If you that. drink yeah. it fast enough and then drink something else, you don't taste it. I'm, so if I'm I chug the sugar free Red Bull and then chug my hot coffee. Through a straw. <laughs> Come to that. Stop it. It's a great combination. It's delicious. I think that we have some people to mention. If you guys want to send us mini episodes at any point, feel free to do that. Brittany sent me one that was really fucking cool that I think we'll have to do for a mini episode or a Patreon episode. It's on music genres and life expectancy. So, um, like, why, what age and what reason do people from different genres of music tend to die? Ooh. That does so, sound interesting. Yeah, yeah, super cool. So um, I figure we'll do that coming up in the future. Uh, Roki Erickson came out last week. Make sure you guys go listen to that. We shared some art that a listener had made and sent in. Also, Martina Martin, new member to our Facebook group. Hello. <gasps> Hi. Um, and she said that she's about to dive into that Roki Erickson episode. Her favorite song by him is Burn in Burn the Flames, which is featured in her favorite horror film, Return of the Living Dead. Also, we did find out we got down to the bottom of it. Mike Amos did not. He did not dump us, Mm-mm. as I thought. 
Cassie said in the last episode that he probably had his credit card run out and that's why he unsubscribed from our Patreon and then resubscribed. He said thanks to Cassie for sticking up for him. His card expired because of SunTrust. So fuck SunTrust. Um, <laughs> all cards God. expire at a certain point. Mine, I was actually and thinking about them it. in particular. I was thinking about it on the way here because I bought some stuff online today and then I was like, my card expires in June and I'm going to have to change everything. It's already like... Bro, don't even, (gasps) don't even fucking, my email, Uh did you know about that shit? What? My university email this past week, apparently they had been sending emails for, since like November that they were going to be deactivating all of their alumni emails. I have not seen a single one of these and it it could be because I blocked my university for spam. (laughs) Because uh, they always <laughs> hit me up with the alumni emails and try and get money. I think I blocked them because I never saw any of that shit. I have not logged into my alumni email since I graduated. I and use it they for deacti- everything. They deactivate after like five years. That's been my primary email for 11 fucking years. It was a giant pain in the ass. And then today I also found out I went to look at my Google calendar uh-huh. fucking wiped because my calendar was attached to my email. And yeah. so all of the f- why did so you use ugh. that email for everything because i just started using it and then it continued working so i just i mean why would oh. i i don't want another email i mean they gave it to me and i started using it for shit right those motherfuckers never sent me my diploma either Seriously? i had to double check online to make sure i actually graduated because i didn't know i didn't go to the graduation ceremony because fuck them you know after a while i was convinced i was like maybe i didn't graduate but i, I did so do you have the diploma now no i don't have it and those fuckers took my email, too. They take everything from me. All they do is take my shit away. You know you can <laughs> request them to send you one. What am I going to put it on my wall? I hate them. They deactivated my email. I'm going to put logic. it on my wall, and I'm going to scribble over their name. Speaking of, I'm on, ironically... I know, you're wearing one of their fucking merchandise So, when I went over jackets. my... I don't know where this came from. <laughs> I don't know anybody that played basketball for that school. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in my parents' hall closet, and it was cold when I went over there, so I put this on, and I was like, where did you get this? And they were like probably someone left it here i was like nobody comes to your house nobody who comes. left this here <laughs> um and then my mom was like i don't know didn't you date somebody and i was like not that was on the basketball team no like, you dated the busker <laughs> <laughs> anyway um and that other guy that was a bum oh <laughs> you don't look at me like that you dated a straight bum. why did i have to think about which one you were talking because about? you've erased him from your memory because of how traumatic it was that i was don't blame traumatic. you but that guy was a bum Ugh. now i'm not one to talk true <laughs> but <laughs> we're not gonna go there that's also my job is to talk so sorry uh that's funny all right i guess we should do this probably show because i don't Get know that started. anybody else gives a shit about what we're talking about they probably don't <laughs> no so. i don't imagine Anyways, thanks for our new listeners. <laughs> Meanwhile, okay, Jake's go. in the corner like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could say it. Well, shut up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Death by Music Podcast. I am Jake. Uh, across from me is Alex. Hello. And to my left is Cassie. That's correct. And Which we can to all my s- right. Yes, we can all see each other now. Hey, no direction. We're sitting in a triangle and we have fucking arms on our microphones and it's cool. Yeah. And We should get prosthetic arms to like hold it. Like a mannequin arm. Would it be funny? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today on the show, got a full episode for you. This one is Avicii, and it was requested by a handful of people. Uh, One of those is my homie Austin from work, so he loves EDM, and I actually went to my first EDM show with him a couple of weeks ago, and so this whole, like, the last two weeks have only been EDM Is that why you had those shoes on? What shoes? The boots. Which boots? The ones that match your hair currently. 
yeah, oh, literally they, they with the are fur. The boots with the fur. Yeah, yeah. I wore my Dr. Roxo mm-hmm. for that cosplay. I wore those to the EDM show. Got to wear them in real life, you know, because I was like, well, these people wear this shit. So <laughs> our sources for today, Wikipedia, turnupthebase.net. Uh, that was uh, an article called Layback Loop Forum. Where are they now? There was an Ericsson.com press release for Avicii XU. LID Bible, there was an article by Misha Perlman. Time Magazine, an article by Dan Maxi, Aretrecovery.com, I'm assuming, MayoClinic.com, NBC News, MixMag, there was an article by HarrisonWilliamsDrugs.com, of course, our favorite, Avicii True Stories, which is a documentary, 830 shows by age 28, Avicii by the numbers, um, that sounds interesting, standardmedia.co.ke, and then contentarchives.com. Technically, that's .coke. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my god, it is.co.ke. Okay, so this is the first DJ that we are covering on the show, also the first podcaster. It's really a season of firsts. We did our first composer, first case involving severe mental illness, our first case where an artist was tried for a death. Um, And now Avicii, who was so, so young when he died, he made it huge as a DJ at a very young age and was a worldwide star by age 25. But the pressures that come along with that could make even the strongest person crack. Avicii had been experiencing many problems from general anxiety to gallbladder and pancreatic issues, but despite knowing that he needed a break, everyone around him continued to pressure him into writing and traveling more and more. So in this story, we'll learn that you have to take care of yourself, uh, but Avicii didn't get to, and it ended in tragedy. So Avicii, a.k.a. Tim Bergling, was born on September 8th, 1989 in Stockholm, Sweden. In this whole thing, I will refer to him as Avicii, Tim, or simply Bergling. I rotated because I felt dumb just calling him by his not real name, especially before he was a DJ in his childhood. I don't want to call the baby, baby Tim Avicii, so just this is we're talking about the same guy each time um okay his mother Anki Leiden was an actress she appeared in over 50 films and shows in Sweden since the 1970s she and her husband Klaus also had three other children David Linda and Anton who also went on to be a TV host and actor Anton is Tim's half-brother and did appear in various uh, TV shows, hosted a morning radio show for a number of years, and played uh, plays drums in a country rock band, uh, Boots On, and Roxy 77, a.k.a. Happy Pill. It's interesting that they both um, had a thing for country, which yeah. we'll get to. Uh, so, some of you out there may be more familiar with his voice acting in the movie How to Train Your Dragon huh. as the character Spitelout Jorgensen, and the movie Hop as the character PH, or Potential of Hydrogen. Interesting. So obviously, with a famous parent in the entertainment industry, Tim was encouraged from a young age to pursue his talents. He started mixing at age eight. Batter? No, mixing songs, Jake. Thank you, Cassie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mixing involves adjusting and combining individual tracks into a stereo or multi-channel format, a.k.a. the mix. Uh, Now, Anton was a few years older than Tim, and he had already been DJing. This inspired Tim to start making his own music at age 16. By 18, he had signed to a label called Dijvitz Plays and was also a member of Laidback Luke's forums. Now, Laidback Luke is a Dutch-Filipino DJ who had a popular online forum where budding DJs could post their demos. Then other users could comment and provide feedback on their pieces. Out of this online community came names like Avicii, Afrojack, Bingo Players, and more. The forums allowed artists to develop their own style and perfect their craft. Avicii was developing his own deep house style. 
His username on the site was Avicii with one eye, referencing the lowest level of Buddhist hell. Metal. Uh, these were the MySpace days, and I think we all had like specific usernames associated with these times. And mine was <laughs> Alex underscore WWE underscore Diva. So yes, I did use my ODU email for a long ass time because my other alternative was Alex WWE Diva, and that's not very professional. I thought <laughs> At least you- the other one makes it look like I went to college. I thought you edited that out of the first I did. I did. I'm willing to share it now. (laughs) That's okay. My first email ever was dramaqueen247 at (laughs) cox.net. (laughs) Cox.net. Jake's still a username thing. It's not your name. Yours is your old DeviantArt. Mm -hmm. You still have the same ass email. When's the last time you created a new email account? Oh, it's been like 15 years. Since you got that email. 15, yeah, 20 you years. take one and you run with it. Um, yes. So, oh yeah. So Avicii had been using this one already on his MySpace page. So it just became his username on the forums and then his DJ name after adding the second I to the end. Those who don't listen to electronic house music are probably wondering what house music is. House music is the boots and pants beat. Yes, it boots is. Pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and boots and cats. Pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. Are you going to do that the whole boots and pants and boots and pants? So it's a subgenre that has a repetitive four on the floor rhythm that's also popular in disco. Basically, the bass hits every single beat. Songs are generally 115 to 130 beats per minute, and it was created by DJs and producers around the Chicago club scene in the 80s. House music has had a huge influence on pop and dance music being pulled from, uh, f- being pulled in from songs like Madonna's Vogue, Janet Jackson's Together Again, and a fair amount of Kylie Minogue work. Shout out to our Aussie listeners, by the way. Uh, I actually recognized Kylie's song, Can't Get You Out of My Head. She's from Australia. And I managed to get What Is Love by Hathaway absolutely fucking stuck in my head. That is such a catchy song. It is. And uh, I actually have a little anecdote about Night at the Roxbury, which I don't think you've seen that because it's got uh, Will Ferrell in it. Mm-mm, I have not. Anyways, it's it's the skit where you, you see the two guys in the car and they're like doing the little mm-hmm. head bob dance. Yeah. So well over 10 years, 11, 12 years ago, uh, every once in a while we get cars that still have the satellite radio active. And th- these aren't customer mm-hmm. cars. These are cars that the particular company buys. So every once in a while, I'll get in one of these. They'd have the satellite radio still active. And I would go to uh, BPM or whatever ah, the techno station yeah, was. Yeah, on Sirius. Yeah. And me and another guy would drive around the back lot doing the night at the Roxbury <laughs> thing. We'd find somebody walking around back there and stop and just stare at him and do the... Nice. Do the thing and then just drive away. Well, I thought fun. it was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I was having a great time. <laughs> it was. It was a good time. Uh, but yes, uh, you mentioned Deep House. Uh, that is house music mixed uh, with jazz, funk, and soul, and was pioneered by Marshall Jefferson of On the House and Larry Hurd of Mr. Fingers. And Oof. Can You Feel It is said to be a Deep House blueprint. Hmm. Okay, so in 2007, Avicii was getting attention on those forums. By 2009, he was a prolific producer and was releasing songs and remixes pretty much nonstop. In 2010, Avicii had his first international hit with Bromance in April, and then um, that's an instrumental track that hit the charts in Belgium and then in the Netherlands. Then in October, he came out with another internationally successful hit, Seek Bromance, which hit the top 20 in Belgium, France, the Netherlands, the UK, and his home country of Sweden. He released Seek Bromance as Tim Slash Berg. The success of this single and another release of Nadia Ali's Rapture led to Avicii singing with EMI in Europe in 2010. Next, Avicii was unfortunately or fortunately left uncredited on a song 
by a certain Leona Lewis. She's a British artist best known to me by her song Bleeding Love, which was played nonstop that fucking summer. Was she on American Idol? Um, I don't think so. Or they just used her song a lot on American I Idol. I think they must have used it. She, I think ah, Jordan Sparks was on American Idol and she sang that song and it was so fucking annoying. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, so Leona Lewis, she had this song used one of Avicii's things. He was uncredited. Um, so she had, she had sampled his song Fade Into Darkness on her own song called Collide. He was originally not credited. He tried to block the release of the song, but then uh, they resolved it out of court by adding him to the credits and making it a joint release. We love a happy lawsuit ending. Also, on top of that, how if she was not versed in the world of EDM, and she's working with producers, obviously. She's not doing all of the mixing and using beats herself. How was she supposed to know that someone else's beat already? You know, if yeah. nobody tells her. I mean, I think that that's pretty much what happened. The standard. Yeah. And then, like and then by the time the song's already, you know, completed, you're like, well, I don't want to use another beat because we built it around this and it fits and whatever. Right. So just right. give them credit. Yeah. I'm curious how much this goes on because DJs sample all kinds of people's works. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's some kind of time limit of like maybe a second or two that they can use before they have to credit the other person yeah something like that it's like some kind of progression or whatever or like however many bars or measures um of overlap there are because they had this whole issue with led zeppelin with stairway to heaven it was a lot like this other band's song and when you listen to it they totally fucking lifted it but they've been doing court cases for that for years it hmm. says you need two different permissions in order to legally use a sample from an existing recording in your own music um, a license for the usage of the master, mm, and one for the license of the uses of underlying composition. Also, maybe if you don't sell it and you just put it out there, you're not getting any money, so there's no royalty checks to be cut. Yeah, I guess, like, I think the issue here is them taking it as their own. If you, obviously, if you, like, yeah, release a cover song, then it's not your song, and you are allowed to release a cover or do a parody, and that's different. Right, I was just going to get to that, too. I mean, Weird Al makes parodies... And he doesn't have to, but as a courtesy, and also because he's an awesome person, uh, he does ask the artist's permission to make a parody of their work. Now, parody and satire are protected under free speech. Free speech. So yeah. you can take anything you want and turn it into a parody or satire. And oftentimes yeah. in the liner notes, too, they will still have the original version credited, right. depending on who it is. Um, but this also says that no matter how short or long the sample is, you can't sample music without permission. Okay. Um, copyright is copyright. And even if it isn't recognizable, you're using other person's intellectual property in order to construct or enhance your own. Thank you. Interesting. Well, yeah, I was going to say there was that instance uh, where Weird Weird Al had thought he had Coolio's permission to parody Gangster's Paradise. But it turns out Coolio wasn't Coolio with it at at all at the time. Wow. Uh, I don't think Coolio could technically do anything like I was saying uh, uh, since he was obviously credited and he received a royalty check. Now, the story goes is that Weird Al got permission from i think his record company but not him directly i think weird Al likes to get uh. the, the artist's direct permission so i think that's where the mix-up was right the example used <laughs> on diymusician.cdbaby.com cdbaby uh, <laughs> like cd like sketchy or cd like cd i would like to think it's sketchy but cd is a compact disc oh, okay um it says um <laughs> <CD> baby. <laughs> yeah don't trust this website that's gonna be my next email cdbaby <laughs> it says uh 
an example would be vanilla ice barring the wine uh the baseline from under pressure right the sample's only three seconds long but didn't stop queen and david bowie from swooping in to collect the cash hell yeah okay. as they should yeah uh so his next track was huge released in october of 2011 called levels this hit the top 10 in 16 countries throughout europe securing number one in three of those he also made it to the U.S. Hot 100 at the very end of 2011 with this song. It stayed up for 20 weeks, peaking at number 60, and it was on the mainstream charts, dance mix show charts, and hit number one on the Dance Club Songs chart. And as of this recording, it it's just shy of 600 million plays on Spotify alone. So imagine all the combined plays on other platforms like Apple and YouTube. And Is it only 6 million? Hundred six hundred million. million. Damn, I would have thought it was in the billions. Well, just wait. I got another that stat here wild. for you later. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I had no idea how big EDM was. Like I did not know the scope of it because I feel like a lot of people I know don't listen to EDM. But if you look at the world as a fucking rock with people on it, everybody, everybody from every country listens to fucking EDM. It's yeah, insane. It's, it's, Isn't it more popular in like European countries? Yeah, it's, it's more yeah. popular over there. But I mean, even I've, I've, I saw footage of, uh, uh, what's the one in Miami? The Ultra. Ultra. Yeah. There's, I don't know how sea many thousands. Of of, yeah. There's a yeah. sea of people out there and it's ridiculous. Insanity. So anyways, the song levels is one that we have all heard. You've heard it. He wrote it uh, so he could sample out of James's Something's Got a Hold on Me. Now, he didn't expect the song to blow up like it did, but it's honestly, it's catchy, it's recognizable, danceable, and is now known as one of the greatest EDM songs of all time. Billboard even claimed that it was one of the best songs in the world. Quote, part of a whole new generation of young producers helping to make EDM the biggest youth culture movement since boy bands. True. The song was also used in the 2013 movie The Bling Ring. You know, the one where the kids steal from rich celebrities. Nope. Well, we should we should do that. Steal from rich celebrities? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, Avicii didn't think the song would be a hit, and he was surprised that it was as popular as it had become. Uh, an early version of the song called Unnamed had been played on BBC Radio 1 in December 2010, with the final version being played at the Ultra Music Festival months later in March 2011. The song was exploding all over the place before its eventual uh, officially re release on iTunes later that year in October. Uh, I've obviously heard the song before, but I'm actually more familiar with the Skrillex remix. Also, I'm a fan of uh, E-Rock. That's E-R-O-C-K. He's got a series on YouTube called Blank Meets Metal, where he actually covered the level Skrillex remix. But what he does is he takes those songs and turns them into metal. It's really cool stuff. Uh, you can find him on Spotify or you just get on YouTube. He's got, his channel is 331ERock. Yeah. Yeah, this song, like, I wasn't sure. I know there's one Avicii song that we play on my radio station, and um, I was like, Levels, that does not sound familiar at all. But that's because it's an EDM song, and all like the titles don't necessarily have anything to do with the fucking music. But yeah. I pulled it up, and I was like, oh, shit. This is like the song. Like, yeah. if you existed in 2011, you heard this song. You don't have to do anything. And I was showing it to somebody who absolutely would have no fucking clue, like, ordinarily. And it was like, you would, you'd still definitely heard this. If you'd went to any sporting events, if you, like, went to any parties, like, college parties, if you went mm -hmm. to uh, a grocery store, like, you yep. heard, you have heard this song. If you did anything in 2011. And uh, he was like, nah, well, you forget that I don't do anything. And I was like, that's true. Anyways, listen to it. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. I've heard this song a billion fucking times. In 2012, health issues started popping up for Bergling. 
<laughs> see what i did there i called him by his last name yeah when i got to that point i was like who's burglar <laughs> <laughs> forgot his last name altogether it's tim um so he was hospitalized at the beginning of the year for 11 days after suffering pancreatitis which is inflammation of the pancreas and that was due to heavy alcohol consumption in a 2013 interview with time magazine avici was asked about the subculture of edm and how it essentially was one big party um the journalist from time asked you're around parties all the time how much do you actually partake and avici's response was i used to party a lot everyone does in the beginning when they're getting accustomed to this world every night is a party but i just realized that for me personally my body or mind couldn't handle the amount of like i wasn't feeling good doing that to myself and then the journalist goes on to ask about drinking and he says yeah i was drinking way too much partying in general way too much then i got pancreatitis or then i got a pancreatitis attack at 21 which is very rare so that forced me to do a 180 and stop drinking and then and he says does that ever get or the journalist says does that ever get difficult edm culture is a notorious party and drug centric and abici says no i mean i can still party i just can be sober and party it's <laughs> bullshit it's all a learning experience i've gone out partying sober and i met my new girlfriend from day one sober and i've done everything sober i can all right and i see how drunk everyone else is and i feel like I kind of like not being hung over tomorrow, which like See, I can relate. <laughs> I get that. And I feel like everybody yeah. says that, but then you still like go out and drink anyways. In 2012, he made a collaboration called Sunshine with David Guetta when the uh, the track was nominated for a Grammy for Best Dance Recording. So that's cool. I didn't even know this category existed. Avicii was getting his music played on BBC Radio, which is kind of huge, and debuted three new songs at a performance for the Ultra Music Festival in Miami in 2012, one of which was Girl Gone Wild, a remix with Madonna, and then Super Love featuring Lenny Kravitz. Uh. Avicii hit 2 million followers on Facebook and decided to celebrate with a free downloadable SoundCloud single called 2 Million. Avicii hit the U.S. charts, which are the only ones that matter. America, fuck yeah. yeah. Lick my butt and suck on my balls. Um, anyways, hit <laughs> the U.S. charts with silhouettes featuring vocals by Salem Al-Fakir. He was added onto Lollapalooza that August in Chicago. Oh. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, all right? Yeah, I'm trying, yeah. trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Damn, me, me, yo, look, 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 look. We all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We going to have this, like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> I've always been a fan of Alapalooza. Weird Al's nineteen ninety three album. Oh, oh, that's based on Lollapalooza. Yeah. I thought I thought you were gonna say Alapalooza, Weird Al's music festival in Chicago. I wish, which would be fucking <laughs> would awesome. <laughs> He's did, the only person playing. Did he ever name an album Weird Album? He did not. Cassie, 
You better trademark that idea <laughs> right now. Just like someone stole my email address of my name, you should also trademark the idea Excuse Weird me. Album because Excuse you'll me. never make Mr. it. Mr. Weird, can we have a discussion? <laughs> Thanks. By the end of 2012, he was making history as the first ever DJ to headline at the Radio City Music Hall in New York City with two sold-out shows. This dude has not even released an album yet, and Correct. he's fucking huge. Yep. In March of 2013, while on tour in Australia, Avicii once again was sent to the hospital. There he was encouraged to undergo gallbladder surgery, but he was working on a new album, so he declined the surgery. I don't know a time I've ever declined medical advice from a professional, but here we are. Well, I... Yeah, dentists. Fuck those guys. Oh, yeah. My wisdom tooth <laughs> is right? still in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a col- cholecystectomy... Um, is a surgical procedure to remove your gallbladder, a pear-shaped organ that just sits below your liver on the upper right side of your abdomen. It just fucking sits there. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It just chills. Actually, um, I think it does do stuff. I know. Go your ahead. your gallbladder collects and stores bile. Oh, it does. See? Huh? <laughs> um, a digestive fluid produced in your liver. liver. It's a common surgery, and it carries only a small risk of complications. In most cases, you can go home the same day of the procedure. The reason people may believe gallstones are linked to alcohol is that gallbladder, the gallbladder is attached to the liver, and this is one of the organs that can endure the most damage from excessive drinking. So there's not enough research to show that alcohol affects the gallbladder or leads to the creation of gallstones directly. But a lot of people were assuming that, oh, he drinks too much. So that's why it's like, well, I'm glad you went into that because I tried looking it up and doing that part myself. And I was like, I don't fucking understand because it was like, why? What? How do you get pancreatitis? And then like, what does that have to do with getting your gallbladder removed? And it was like, we don't know. And I was like, what? (laughs) Then how do you know? Like, what? Then how do you? I'm so fucking confused. Yeah. So he declined the surgery. Uh, Vici continued releasing singles and collaborations and then came up with a cool idea to have the first ever crowdsourced hit. So crowdsourcing is when you get ideas and small contributions from a large and open group of people. So the idea was called Avicii XU, like the letter X. And the concept was that they would accept submissions from the public and then mix them into a song. He was able to gather 13,000 submissions from over 4,000 people in 140 countries it became the world's largest collaboration of its kind and was created in partnership with ericsson a swedish networking company i have not heard that name in a while i used to have their phones back in the day really yeah ericsson uh you know what i think it was sony ericsson actually i think they had some oh, kind of partnership going familiar. on yeah did you have a rotary phone <laughs> uh i had relatives that did <laughs> my sister and i had one we played with it was a toy but it was like an old house phone oh <laughs> i was like yeah you had a toy phone like no, they, is you, that a baby you, phone? That, that's what I thought you meant. You had a baby phone. Yeah, the phone. little uh, white one with the face on it. And, and yeah. It's a yeah. dial phone. We had one of those, but we also had like a real An one. An actual rotary phone yeah. that you used as a toy. The, the yes. one that you could okay. throw at people and knock them out like Sinatra. So he ran the project for almost seven weeks, running it kind of like a bracket by having weekly semifinalists that fans could vote on. So ultimately, he let the public choose the beats and sounds and then took all of that material into his studio in L.A. and finished the song. Participants started by downloading Avicii's chord progression and then uploading their own sound files. Each week, a different part of the song was created, including the bass line, drum loop, and dance style break. 
also the effects. So Avicii then curated the contributions and Universal distributed the song after it was finished. At the Mobile World Congress 2013 in Barcelona, Avicii said, I think it's cool that people will be able to hear this track on the radio and know that they've all been a part of creating it. Five years ago, this would not have been possible, and now we have the whole world collaborating. Imagine what will happen in five, ten years from now when... Everyone everywhere is connected. This brings me to that um, Foo Fighters video. It was like a fan video where they had all those musicians. Granted, it wasn't. I mean, I guess they were all from around the world. It wasn't just one collective. I mean, it was they gathered in some state and just played. Yeah, that was like Times Square or something. Mm. I don't remember. It was really cool, Jake. They had like all these different musicians. They did one song. Maybe it was like Learn to Fly or something. And they had like a million drummers, a million fucking guitarists, a million bassists, a million singers, a million. They did all kinds of instruments and shit. And everybody showed up to this one place. A stadium or something. It was like a big fucking paved area, and they all set up in their sections. And then they did this video with like a thousand musicians play yeah. Learn to Fly or something. Um, it recently came up in conversation because my dad had asked me if I'd seen the video. And I was like, yeah, like six years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> he like only out. just saw it the first time the other day. <laughs> I was like, what does your Google search history look like? <laughs> Finally, in September of 2013, Avicii put out his debut album. It was called True. And it kind of evolved from his previous house sound and experimented with elements from other genres like country. Avicii felt like the EDM scene was half stuck and wanted to mix things up a little bit. So this did cause a bit of a stir at the Ultra Music Festival in Miami, who were kind of shocked at the bluegrass bits in Wake Me Up. That's the one we play on the radio. That's the one I know. He also incorporated live performances by Aloe Black, Banjo, and Kazoo Bits. With Kazoo Kid? We'll have fun. I feel like... Look up uh, Kazoo Kid Trap Remix. That one's That one's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun 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 <laughs> good stuff anyways uh so the album got mixed reviews but avici did not mind he said that he knew it would provoke people but that's what made it successful for him that he was true to himself and his influences indeed something i find interesting about avici and maybe it happens in the edm scene a lot but i'm and i'm just not aware of it but um his level of crowd participation in reveals so I'm used to rock where someone just drops an album or a single. They don't really give a shit. They don't like try to involve the fans in it. Besides Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters Cassie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the DG's album they did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this guy was he got way more creative. Like reading about all this shit. I was like, what? Why would you even think of that? Like just release a song, right? That's not how he did stuff. In advance of the release of the album True, Avicii had a project called Hashtag True Reveal. So there was a giant glass cube surrounded by speakers. Inside of the cube was the artwork for the album. Um, And then it was like live streamed. And as Twitter users shared the true reveal hashtag with a truth about themselves, then the volume from the speakers would be turned up. And then if it got loud enough, the idea was that the glass of the cube would break and then the artwork would be revealed. They ended up getting over 100,000 tweets, but it was not enough to break the glass. They had a crane come in and threw like a giant hook off of it to smash the glass and reveal the cover. Yeah, it was a a bit anticlimactic, unfortunately. (laughs) I saw the video. It was a novel idea, but high sound pressure levels, a.k.a. volume, isn't necessarily going to break glass. It was digital, though, right? It was real glass. Oh, yeah, the glass was real. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they, they were just trying to. Yeah, they were trying to blow it out with volume, and that 
generally. They didn't watch that video on YouTube that we've seen where they scream at the glass. Have you seen that video of the man who screams at the egg? He's like, <laughs> meow. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's no. trying to crack the egg, but it didn't fucking work. But he says meow when he does it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? No, to... to I think they're going off the, uh, the the trying to break a wine glass type of deal. Right, but, to but do that, wine glasses are so thin, and you have to hit a certain pitch, right? Right, you have to hit, you have yeah. to find the resonant frequency of that particular glass, That's and then you have is. to amplify it and concentrate it. Yeah, you right on the glass. So yeah, it's not different concept than what they were trying to attempt. And they I, I like think that's what they got mixed up with. Thing. Like the weight of everyone's truth, but like oh, would have broken shit. the glass. Very um, what's <laughs> metaphorical? <laughs> <laughs> Julie agrees. <laughs> Let your truth out. She could have broken the glass with that fucking <laughs> meow. <laughs> Be careful, Jake. That table <laughs> won't last long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cassie's really good at reveals. When she revealed to her. Uh, not you guys, but the rest of the people that she was preg or not. Cassie's last name is Gardner. And so she put out a thing with little baby tools and <laughs> was like, our garden is growing or something like that. Um, yeah. I, mm, I don't remember. It. Fuck. Why don't you remember? It was I, don't know. Baby. I wrote it like a month ago. I'm telling Steve that you don't remember. <laughs> uh, there's a, pregnancy brain is real, by the way. I thought everyone was lying, but I forget stuff all the time. Baby Gardner, a.k.a. Steve. Uh, we are accepting customized it's items uh, to our mailing address, which we, d- we we don't have, but you can mail it to... We'll figure it out. Um, if you would like to get any engraved baby <sighs> outfits... Don't do that. You can't Steve. engrave a baby outfit. <laughs> you <laughs> embroidered. Look. We'll accept them. I'm going to keep it. You're going to keep it. If and it doesn't then say Steve, then... <laughs> you can put it on beans and queso. No, no, no. Baby Steve. Remember that time Victoria's cat had to wear a onesie? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because that dumbass swallowed a whole ass ribbon, and then he had to get surg- <laughs> he had to get it surgically removed before it got to his intestines, and then she made him a unitard, um, an assless unitard, <laughs> so that he couldn't get to the scar on his stomach, but he could still shit. <laughs> so he looked like a little wrestler. He was like a little Kurt Angle walking around in his unitard. Did he have a hole in his unitard? <laughs> Kurt Angle did, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think. Kurt I mean, Angle. have you ever tried to wear a like a romper and then have to go to the bathroom? Oh my god, oh, I've been doing purpose. that all fucking weekend. Stop. I'm so stupid because when we went to yeah. oh your Doctor Roxo Galaxy Con, yeah, I had on. I have my man. Okay, so I do Doctor Roxo. He's the rock and roll clown. He does cocaine. He's from Metalocalypse. Anyways, he has. He wears this like fucking unitard. But I also have a bathing suit that has a man chest. It's like a hairy man bathing suit. So if you look at it, on first glance, it looks like I'm naked. Then you look real close and you're like, oh, that's a man suit. It's fucking disgusting. So why I got you, that. Why don't you just grow out your chest hair? So I have the hairy man suit and then I have the unitard that goes on top of it. Mm-hmm. And um, trying to go to the bathroom all weekend, I had to get ass naked to go to the bathroom why yeah. are we talking about this <laughs> i don't know we were talking about him revealing his uh, yeah so what does his album oh, cover right. actually so look his like. album cover actually is just a dark background with a silhouette and the word true written on top in white so you had said earlier that you couldn't really relate these revelations of albums to yeah. anybody and the only one i can think of is like taylor swift and she has like easter eggs alluding to like the next thing and then the internet goes crazy bonkers about basically anything that mm-hmm. involves her but 
even more so um harry styles is apparently doing that to his fans now they're all like learning from each other i and just don't like that i think it's funny that it was like this whole yeah. big thing they're like we want to see but, the album art and then it was like the most plain <laughs> album art ever. taylor swift I, with her last or like two albums ago she did like a word search so that you could figure out what the song titles were going to be on the album see or i'm like just That's... tell me what day it's coming out like i don't fucking give a shit you're like, not a true fan alex i don't i am a fan of taylor swift and i think even if like metallica did something like that i wouldn't give a fuck i'm not gonna sit here and do homework like just give me the song um so it's for website hits metallica does a cool thing that is not anything like this but it's for their fans they record every single show that they do so you can get a live, like, mixed, mastered album of the show that you went to. Uh, all right. So the next part of this project that Avicii was doing allowed users to create teasers for the album. And then the creators who got the most votes would help with making the official music videos for the songs. Wake Me Up, which is a song literally everybody knows, was the lead single with vocals by Aloe Black. Yeah, Mike Einziger, a guitarist and co-founder of Incubus, uh, also shared writing credits for that song. Hmm. It was huge. It peaked at number one in 10 different countries. The song was number one on Spotify's global charts and had Avicii as the second number or the number two most streamed artist in the world. And as of this recording, again, it sits at 1.5 billion plays on Spotify. I couldn't find a stat on Apple because I don't have that and I'm refused to use Apple products, uh, but I imagine it's similar. And the video has 2.1 billion views on YouTube. Wild. So it's out, yeah. It's that fucking ridiculous. huge, and that's not even considering like radio airplay and stuff. It's uh-huh. such a huge song. So this song set a record by remaining on the Billboard Dance and Electronic Songs list for 14 weeks. You make me and Hey Brother also made it big across the world. So, despite the mixed reviews and reception when it dropped, I think it's safe to say that the album True was a, a success. Eh, I don't know. They need to up those numbers a bit. <laughs> okay. Just should go look at the numbers on the rest of the song. What does your They're album have? Crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sixteen thousand over a whole year. <laughs> the awards started rolling in. Avicii was in very high demand. He collabed with Madonna. He produced some tracks for on her 2015 album Rebel Heart. Then he remixed his own tracks on the album True Avicii by Avicii. So he was supposed to promote this album at Ultra 2014, but he was hospitalized and replaced on the lineup by Dead Mouse. According to Billboard.com, an article by Jason Lipschutz, Avicii was rushed to the hospital after experiencing abdominal pains, nausea, and fever. He was experiencing problems with his gallbladder again and had to cancel several performances while he underwent surgery. He not only had a blocked gallbladder, his pancreatitis was back and his appendix had also burst. So fuck. He had to have both his gallbladder and his appendix removed. Yeah, during these bouts with pancreatitis uh, and having the surgery, he was being prescribed all sorts of medication, mainly for pain management, I think. He was pretty out of it after the first go-around with pancreatitis. If you watched the True Story documentary, uh, True Stories doc, after the surgery, they were trying to give him a Percocet, which he was, uh, which he says really didn't do anything pain-wise, and he was concerned about it, taking it because he'd never taken it before. Uh, the way he was describing things, it's like he wanted to listen and trust the doctors, but at the same time, it's like they don't really know exactly what to do. It's like, try this and maybe it'll help hmm. kind of a deal. Percocet is acetaminophen and oxycodone. Oxycodone is an opioid derived from opium plants, as is morphine. The more famous derivative of morphine being heroin. And we've done episodes involving heroin, most notably Kurt Cobain 
uh, and Lane Staley, which that was the episode that scared me the most. Yeah. So after recovering, Avicii was enlisted to collab on the FIFA World Cup anthem with Carlos Santana, Wyclef Jean, and Alexandre Pires. In July, his collaboration with Chris Martin of Coldplay was released. That one's called A Sky Full of Stars. You know it. You heard it. You love it. Um, Coldplay co-wrote and co-produced the song with Avicii. The track itself received generally positive reviews upon release. Carl Williott of Idolator gave the track a positive review, stating, quite honestly, it sounds more like a Zed or a Avicii offering than a Coldplay one, but it's certainly the loudest and most joyful cut we've heard from the album so far, because Coldplay sucks. Um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no, but which I've said before, and I'll say it again, I don't actively listen to Coldplay, but at least the dude can stay relevant. He's been making music for since 1996, and he's been able to consistently stay in the charts. Chris so, Martin? Yeah. Yeah. I'll so, give him that. I mean, if anything, he knows his audience and he knows, I guess, music charts because he can stay on them. But. Yeah. Could name a single one of his songs. Yes, you could. Viva La Vida. Yellow. I couldn't name a single one of his songs. Oh, okay. I You've may heard have him. heard them before, yeah. but I okay. couldn't tell you it was him well, or Coldplay. I, I really <laughs> like early Coldplay a lot. That shit was good. But then. Isn't he married to like Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wait, isn't she weird? Goop! Yeah, she yeah, sells... Yeah, she has uh, vagina candles yeah. and shit. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I guess they fit well together. Um, collaborations were only growing. For his next album, Stories, Avicii apparently had worked on over 70 songs, including pieces with Ban Jovi, Serge Tankin of uh, System of a Down, Modest Yahoo, and more. Say that again. Mod- Modest, Modest Yahoo. Modest Yahoo. I... Thought people were saying modest Yahoo, oh. like, like modest mouse. Um, <laughs> they should tour <laughs> together. I thought people were literally saying. I thought I thought they were saying modest Yahoo. <laughs> That's just I have I heard their name. music before? Is it a per- it's a person, right, or is it a yeah. group? Yeah, he does like ukulele, reggae-ish, yeah, stoner jams. Oh, okay. Um, y- yeah, he. You said he did seventy songs, which is absolutely ridiculous. I'd imagine most of them may have been partial works or ideas that never really went anywhere maybe and they got mm-hmm. pigeonholed for another time uh, i do find it amazing that the amount of people he worked uh, with because i noticed a lot of his stuff says featuring this mm-hmm. person or that per- person each time it popped up on my uh, thing there while it was playing um i guess whatever he might have worked on with surge didn't get anywhere because i couldn't find him on any of the albums but that would have been really interesting to listen to hmm. Because I am a System of a Down fan. Yeah, System of a Down's fucking suit. Yeah. Work for the album Stories was started in 2014, but by Avicii's 25th birthday on September 8th, progress was halted. Bergling <laughs> canceled his remaining performances for the year because of his mounting health issues. It was only six months after his gallbladder surgery, but he was still experiencing pain that led him to cancel his headlining slot for Tomorrow World, his Asian tour, and his residencies in Las Vegas. So he went kind of inactive. Though he was featured in that track for FIFA 15's video game, and he did another song with Wyclef Jean. Uh, Avicii broke his silence in March of 2015 with a performance at the Future Music Festival in Australia. He was able to perform at Ultra that year in Miami, releasing several new tracks. Yeah, so Ultra Music Festival is an annual outdoor electronic music festival that takes place during March in Miami, Florida, the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, The festival was founded in 1999 by Russell Fabich, Fabich, <laughs> and Alex Ohms, and is named after the Ultra Music label. I wonder if Michelob Ultra like sponsors it. They fucking they'd be missing out on a and huge if they're not, opportunity. Let me get at that. 
<laughs> so uh, Bergling continued to release some new tracks, including r- a remix of Feeling Good by Nina Simone. He previewed tracks from his new album, Stories, on his Levels podcast, and that's Levels with a 7. Make it make sense. It doesn't. He turned the V into a we 7. We were talking about this because the movie 7 is spelled like that, too. I, I don't understand like my brain d- doesn't read that as a v no when you said dead mouse earlier it was like dead, dead, five. dead <laughs> mouse five uh he had a podcast he talked about uh the album on that podcast that july and finally released the album after working on it for two years it said that between 2015 and 2016 berkeley made 90 million dollars and was earning likely two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a night doing his sold out shows i would have quit right there and Fucked off into the woods somewhere. Hell yeah. That's, true. That's a lot of I'd money. I'd be like, I'm out. See ya. Hershey. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. A month before the album came out, Avicii decided to postpone all of his shows for the remainder of 2015. His reps said that it was because he needed to finish work on the album and his music videos. Not that he was dealing with any further health issues. Avicii himself said, I look forward to keep being innovative with my team and, and leading in leading a bigger change than just with my music and moving my tour promotional responsibilities to next year, I have a great opportunity to focus on myself and spend time trying to grow up in any way that I never got the chance to normal or as normal as it could get. My team label and family have encouraged me to do that. And I realize not many in my position get that opportunity. I mean, touring is rigorous for most musicians. I'm pretty sure it's going to take way more out of an artist who's constantly touring with health issues too. Yeah. You don't have time to rest your your body needs that time to heal so his lifestyle really didn't allow for much time for that not at all and he did so many shows and they they're basically just straight up parties every night yeah and they go late like edm shows are they go all through the fucking night like they don't just end at midnight like a normal show would they they go into the wee hours like jumping around on stage the whole time and when just going to bonnaroo the edm stages are the ones that go all fucking night like those people don't sleep and when you start losing track of time like that and the music is like bumping it's like how many fucking hours have gone by when does this end just like me at that fucking late eight show i was like i gotta get out of here (laughs) um i see how it could be a trap in the meantime burgling took a trip with his friends and he wrote a bunch of new songs he then played at ultra again in 2016 collaborating with sia Mm -hmm. 10 days later much to everyone's surprise burgling announced that he would be retiring from touring this time he cited his health concerns he also talked about his struggles being on the road, especially as an introvert, and how he'd much rather spend time in the studio than touring. Yeah, and so even now, there's kind of more ways to perform your music via, like, streaming. Um, he could have easily done paid streams or what have you, like how musicians will be like, pay for the show, we'll play live, you right. know, stuff like that. I do, I do understand it's not the same as playing live shows every single night in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Like, right. the crowd's going to be a little bit different, but you could still do that if somebody wanted to see him perform in a sense yeah mm. but i mean what you're gonna watch it at home they're going for the whole experience they're, yeah the, 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 you could an edm show is not just to sit there and enjoy the music you know that's not the point of it at <laughs> all it's like the lights it's the people around you it's your fucking it's feeling it and if you don't have a good sound system you're just watching it on your tv at home not the same yeah 
So I totally see where. I mean, he went, what, two to three years making music just online without touring. And yeah, I mean, he didn't have to do it financially. Like he didn't have to do shit. It's because everybody wanted him to. And that was where the problem really came from. He said, I have I have too little left for the life of a real person behind the artist. I will, however, never let go of music, promising the fans one final tour in 2016. I want to point out something you just mentioned because it really resonates with me on a very personal level. And I think it's something that many people don't understand. You said he talked about his struggles on the road, especially as being an introvert. In the True Stories documentary, there's a scene where he's telling his friends about something he had been reading about that day and that he had discovered he was an introvert. And this is extremely significant, I think. What's an introvert, you say? Well, there are believed to be two main personality types. And simply put, and I'll start with extroverts. Mm -hmm. Extroverts are outgoing, talkative. They get energy through outward interaction. Introverts are the opposite. We are not so outgoing or talkative. We get our energy from being alone, and social interactions can be draining. Now, I'm saying we because I fall into the introvert group. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, If you've been listening to us for a while, you may have figured that out already. Uh, when When I saw this scene, I immediately saw a change in Tim and his mindset towards touring. I can absolutely relate to him in this moment. I had been aware of the introvert extrovert thing since high school when I had a personality test and learned I was an introvert. And at the time, I didn't pay much, uh, mind to it. I also don't think I really understood it either. So for some reason, several years ago, I decided to revisit the subject and learn more about what it is to be an introvert. So I started digging digging into it. And thankfully, with the information superhighway at my disposal, <laughs> Sorry. you like that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're just showing my age. Um, anyways, I was able to open a door to a whole new world, which helped me learn more about myself and why I am the way that I am. And this ultimately helped me feel better about myself. And I can say I'm actually a lot happier than I was. Um, Tim learning he was an introvert helped him understand himself more. And I think ultimately helped change his mindset on touring and give him an explanation as to why he didn't like it. I feel like he got picked up by the extroverts and told to do this and that. Not knowing any better or knowing that he could say no got put into these situations that really severely stressed him out which just compounded over time. Yeah. Yeah. I think being able to identify that and having that as a tool at your disposal, because you know, everyone's like, Oh, well you're a DJ. You're, you're an artist. Like this is what you do. Like just get over it, get used to it. But if you tell right. somebody like I'm an introvert and they know what that means, it's not, you can't change that. That's just how you are. Um, so you've got to kind of like work with that. Um, yeah. But if you're expected as an artist to do these things, it's something you've signed up for. It's expectations of other people. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, like, for him to step away from it and tell everyone, like, yeah, I'm not going to tour anymore is, like, a huge step because mm-hmm. he could literally lose everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. To, I to feel a like point. if you are an introvert trying to make it in an extrovert's world, then you have to have really fucking strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, oh, yeah. knowing that you're an introvert, is like the first step in figuring out how to establish those boundaries and say no without feeling guilty. Avicii's final show was at the Usaya Ibiza Beach Hotel, capping almost a decade worth of performances. In December of 2016, Avicii and his manager Ash Pornuri split, and he signed with Universal Music Sweden with a third album due in 2017. All right, so he reportedly did over 830 shows. Fuck. This is according to that one website we mentioned earlier that has the weird Kenya tag to it. He did over 830 shows, which was almost about 
during his touring career, which is almost about 10 years professionally, I'd say he signed in 07, retired in 16 from touring. And according to ConcertArchives.org, he did 193 shows in 2012 alone. It ju- just as a comparison, the hottest band in the world, Kiss, <laughs> did 96. And that was just recently in 2019, which I still think is pretty amazing that they're as old as they are and they did that. Kiss, over their 50-year career, have done about 1,681 concerts. Avicii did half of that in one-fifth the time. What? Yeah. Holy so shit. So that, that's how much he was touring. It's it's a ridiculous amount. And you got to, like I said, everything that was compounding as far as him being an introvert, uh, the drinking, uh, I would say drug use. Mm-hmm. He was given prescriptions. I don't know if he was abusing those. We do know that he wasn't on and off drinking and all that with the pancreatitis problems and all that. Yeah. You compound that with the amount of shows that he was doing and this, that, that kind of stress Ugh. that was being put on him. The music to come would be released as an EP with six tracks called Avicii 01. Bergling was excited to release the track, saying that it was the most excited he'd been over music in a long time. The EP would be one of three parts that would make up his third studio album. He also released a documentary on his final tour called Avicii True Stories, which is the one Jake referenced in September of 2017. In the documentary... He somewhat shockingly said that the touring lifestyle was going to kill him, but he was pressured to continue on with it. He said in the documentary that when he announced to his team that he would quit touring, he expected support in return, you know, because he's like a human being, probably thought these people cared about him, Um, especially considering his health issues, both physical and mental and his struggles with alcohol. But they reacted in just the opposite way. Quote, everyone knows that I've had anxiety and that I have tried. I did not expect that people would try to pressure me into doing more gigs. Avicii said he continued, they have seen how ill I have felt by doing it, but I have a lot of pushback when I wanted to stop doing gigs. I've said, like, I'm going to die. I've said it so many times. And so I don't want to hear that I should entertain the thought of doing another gig. Well, management is probably a matter about losing touring money. Yeah. And it just sucks to think, oh, these people are my family. They really care about me. They'll support me just for it to be the opposite. I got the exact same feeling from this. He does so many shows and brings in so much money. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people around him who stand to lose a lot of money if he doesn't perform. Right. And Ash uh, Pornori even says basically the same thing in the documentary that if he were to stop being successful, a lot of people would just jump ship and... They, you know, because they wouldn't get paid. That's the reason why probably a lot of the people were around him because they were getting paid to be there. Yeah. And he's like, that's putting a lot of pressure on somebody who obviously it does become an industry. But if he chooses not to do it, then you lose your job. That's your fucking problem. Find another job. Like, yeah, Yeah. you can't if you don't want to rely on somebody for work, then you have to become your own boss. So but I see where that would be really stressful for him having all of these people that he's like, oh, well, if I stop touring, then they can't put food on the table right. kind of shit. So now in 2018, he's continuing to work with more people. In March, he posted previews of work with Carl Falk, Joe Janiak, and several other songwriters and producers. In fact, he had around 200 unreleased and completed songs, Jeez. even more that were unfinished. He, he was a workaholic. Yeah. Like he was like nonstop. Just that, that was what he loved to do was make the music. Yeah. Not necessarily perform it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, those songs that he did not finish would remain incomplete. Tim Bergling died on April 20th of 2018 at the very young age of 28 years old. Tim had been on vacation in Muscat, Oman. Uh, Initially, 
Reports gave no cause of death, but did not suspect foul play. A week later, his family released a statement alluding to suicide. It read, Our beloved Tim was a seeker, a fragile artistic soul searching for answers to existential questions, an overachieving perfectionist who traveled and worked hard at a pace that led to extreme stress. When he stopped touring, he wanted to find a balance in life to be able to be happy and do what he loved most, music. He really struggled with thoughts about meaning, life, and happiness. He could now not go on any longer. He wanted to find peace. Tim was not made for the business machine he found himself in. He was a sensitive guy who loved his fans but shunned the spotlight. Tim, you will forever be loved and sadly missed. The person you were and your music will keep your memory alive. We love you, the family. TMZ reported that he had used a glass shard allegedly from a broken bottle to cut his wrists. Avicii's stepfather, Tommy Korberg, spoke out about his son's death, blaming the management company for pushing him to perform such or at such a high rate. He said, you do not book 900 gigs in eight years for a young man. Mm. It was very unfortunate. When I worked in London, there was such pressure, but there were replacements that could enter. That wasn't the case in his industry. So many people depended on him, and if he did not work, then they'd have no jobs. It's not good. He went on to say, if Avicii had a professional artist company, he would be alive today. When greed and stupidity go hand in hand, anything can happen, especially unfortunate things. So a year after his death, Bergling's family started the Tim Bergling Foundation with the goal of educating people about issues surrounding mental health and suicide. They also focused on or they also focus on other areas like climate change and business development. Avicii's suicide brought awareness of mental health to the music industry. Uh, okay, so Tristan Hunt from the Association for Electronic Music told BBC Radio 1... One of the main issues Avicii's death highlighted was the reluctance of men to talk about the subject of mental health. His mm-hmm. suicide brought into sharp relief just how many men suffer from this, especially within our industry. Men do find it particularly hard to talk about. According to GQ, some of the main reasons for Avicii's suicide were the pressure from his management to tour as well as the fans' impressions of him. He was very sensitive to the fans' feelings and he got extreme anxiety after being flooded with hate mail from canceled shows. Apparently, his manager, um, Ash Pernori, who he, he parted ways with once he retired, knew how much anxiety afflicted Bergling, but he didn't consider it a mental health issue. It seems that he more so assumed it was a substance abuse issue. Um, So he learned of Avicii's addictions to both painkillers and alcohol and staged multiple interventions that were obviously not successful. Pernori did try to keep promoters from giving Avicii alcohol, but nobody was actually keeping tabs on that. Um, So it's like if nobody, he would have had to have somebody with him 24-7, like saying no for him or something, but that nobody was actually like... If, if they didn't listen, he couldn't stop it. him. Yeah. So, um, Vernori did go to Avicii's father with his concerns in 2014. Um, so, also a year after his death in April of 2019, it was announced that Avicii's unreleased works would be put out on a posthumous album called Tim, with the proceeds benefiting the Tim Bergling Foundation. The first single was SOS, released in April on April 10th of 2019, just shy of the year anniversary of his death. The song Heaven was released that June, co-written by Coldplay's Chris Martin, that Avicii worked with a ton before his death. They used clips of Avicii from his vacation to Madagascar after he retired from touring. Oh, for the music video? Yes, for yeah. a music video. In December of 2019, a memorial festival for Avicii was held in Stockholm. Tiesto released several Avicii songs on his show Tiesto's Club Life. 
currently there is another documentary about Tim Bergling in the works that is set to be released in 2023. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say that not only did Avicii contribute to the direction of electronic music and the music industry as a whole, he also had a huge impact with his philanthropic ventures at such a young age. I mean, this dude's 28 years old, and he put together House for Hunger in 2011, donated all the proceeds from that tour to Feeding America, as well as distributing two million meals to school children in Africa. Wow. Yeah, he did a lot. Um, today, fans can experience burgling at the Avicii Tribute Museum in Stockholm. The space is a digital culture center, the idea of his parents who wanted to celebrate his life and work. The museum has displays of his childhood bedroom and L.A. mansion that fans can walk through, as well as exhibitions showing what his hectic touring life was like. And, of course, they also feature his music throughout. Mm. The museum also has a focus on mental health, bringing awareness to his mental health problems and those of young people in the music industry. That's really cool. Yeah. So, from what I was reading about the uh, the museum, they have, like, I guess it's like a walkthrough type of experience, or maybe they make you play this role or whatever where you have to go from this to this to this it said that it kind of walks you through what his day would be like um and it's all this like interactive experience thing so i think it would be really a really cool place to go to if any of our swedish listeners have been there hit us up let us know um what you thought or if you have any pictures of it yeah we can be reached at our email address death by podcast team at gmail.com or you can join our facebook group if you search for death by music podcast fans obviously this happened pretty recently just no concept of like what was actually going on with him and that it was uh so much like it's fucked i want to say i remember when the news first broke about it and a lot of websites were stating that it was probably an overdose just because of that culture right and i remember being like oh wow wow and then it was like oh no actually it was a suicide and you're like what what the <laughs> like fuck? can y'all just get your information right before you go telling everybody like yeah please yeah, so. but I had a I had a handful of people that were like, when you do Avicii, like my friend Monica and Austin, they both like love EDM stuff. Tell us how you feel about that. Hey, brother song. Hey, bro. <laughs> they should get a Hulk Hogan remix. Oh, uh, that would be sick. <laughs> That's a great idea. I only have great ideas. I was thinking about doing a mini episode on John Cena's rap career. Actually, I looked that up before we came over here today. I <laughs> found a book the other day shelved in our music biography section and it was about The Rock and his WWE career. And I was like, who put this here? He's it is not rock music. It is rock the man. And oh then I was God. like, if you put this here because of that damn Moana song. Oh, my God. Um, and they were, I, nobody could like say That's who did it. That's pretty funny, though. Well, thank you guys for suggesting this one. Also, I want to remind you that I put up a poll in the Facebook group so you guys can vote for next season. A lot of votes on this. I voted. Mm -hmm. Number one, we're going to have to cover Chester Bennington. That one's got the most Probably. votes. Chester from Lincoln Park. Um, and that was 2018. So another recent one. Number two there is... There were conspiracy theories around that, too. Yeah, we'll we'll get to all of it because we're gonna have to cover him next season. But yeah. yeah, we're we're trying to get some suggestions for season five. DMX was DMX, and then Tupac and Biggie were numbers two and three on the <laughs> poll, and they're tied. Tupac and Biggie would have to be two separate, and it then would like probably a third be like merge. three. It would probably be four. It's gonna be yeah. So <laughs> if we do that, that's gonna have um a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, Frank Sinatra is number four, and then Chris Cornell. 
is number five. I did add some more people to the poll for anybody who did vote already. If you want to check those out. I, who is the, the classical guy again? Jean-Baptiste Lully. He's yeah. the guy who stabbed himself in the foot or something. That was was suggested by a listener. I think we'll do it anyways because I like having the... the classical ones are yeah, fun. I like throwing them in there um, because it keeps things it's exciting. It's so different too. Yeah. So um, I think we'll do him anyways. But I put Stevie Ray Vaughan on there, Nina Simone, uh, Michael Hutchins from NXS, who apparently died by, it wasn't suicide. He killed himself. It was like a sex thing. Like people, I don't know. Oh, was a, it the autoerotic asphyxiation? Yeah, that autoerotic word. asphyxiation. That word. Mm-hmm. Was it suicide? Did he mean to kill himself? Or was he, he was apparently like a sex addict. And he was doing that thing where you like fucking choke yourself with a belt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, was he trying to hang himself or was he trying to jerk off? We don't know because we haven't covered it yet, but it's interesting. So mm-hmm. I have a uh, Dolores O'Rourke up there. That was a suggestion from Kathleen from the Cranberries. She died recently. Ronnie James Dio, uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, Neil Peart from Rush, Jennifer Hudson. We talked about um, we mentioned a couple of many episodes ago, like her she had several members of her family murdered by right. somebody who was like divorced out of the family. How did you pronounce crazy. Neil Peart's name? Peart. That's how you say it. Is it? Neil Peart. Weird. Look it up, bro. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people, you guys can add your own suggestions too. If you would like to do that we're not just, we're not necessarily going to only cover the top 10 from that. Like we'll take your opinions into consideration and then ultimately like we'll <laughs> do what we yeah. want anyway we don't want a season full of people that everybody knows we want to cover yeah. stuff people that you don't necessarily know of or anything like that yeah we'll tell you what you want to know um and then mike like the comments on that mike said i finished up one episode and at the end you guys were talking about if we were interested in you doing a non-music related series he said, I am a 100% not interested in that at all. I for sure would not listen to those. And Cassie's I really could not tell if he was being sarcastic because he had like a crying laughing emoji next to it. Yeah. He and he's like, been so no, like listen to that shit. positive about everything else we've ever done. So he's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, oh, never. he's joking. And he's like, I'm not kidding. He said, I can <laughs> promise you it's not. I think you guys have a unique show because of the content and other celebrities get plenty of coverage other places. So, okay, Mike. Uh, I think he's being sassy with us because I was being a dick to him on the last episode. Yeah, so it's oh, your fault that Mike hates Jerk. us now. He doesn't hate us. I see him all the fucking time. Oh, yeah, no, he I did basically, he said you can't be in the group, that Jake and him are going to be hardy boys. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, because I, I said he was a, I don't remember, a fake fan, a fake oh. friend for <laughs> wow. dropping us. Just kidding. And, yeah, Brittany also sent me the thing about Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell and the conspiracies and stuff. She said we would have to do both of them because um, their stories are webbed together. Yeah, weren't they friends? Yeah. Yeah, oh, um, Chris Cornell died first, and then Chester Bennington committed suicide oh, yeah, a couple of months. Was... It was like a couple of months after. Yeah. Him. Yeah, that was a tough summer. That shit sucked. Cool. Well, now that we're all depressed, let's go fucking cry in our rooms. Do that quite often. Yeah. It's good I live here by myself. (laughs) It's okay to cry. (laughs) And it's okay to talk about your mental health. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's Only to myself. Say that. Yes. Um, You can talk to our fans about it. They care about you Mm -hmm. uh, at least a little bit. Thank you guys for listening. These headphones are squeezing my brain slowly out of my eyeballs, and uh, we will be back next week with Phil Spector. All right, bye, nerds. Uh, rest in peace. Bye. Later. Yeah, upgrading slowly.
Music by Demons, at Demons Band on Instagram. Artwork by Mike Johnson. Writing and production by Cassie Gardner, Alex Motler, and Jake.